February has already been a jam-packed sports month. We just watched the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. We watched the best fan experience for a golf tournament at the WN Open in Scottsdale. And then there's college basketball and the NBA about to heat up with March around the corner for the college basketball tournament, as well as the NBA playoffs coming in the spring and summer, which you all know I love so much. But what does that mean? That means lots of great games for us to watch, or maybe even better yet, how about we go and see some of these events live? And where's the best place to get tickets? I want you all to check out GameTime. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the US. GameTime offers amazing last minute deals on all of your favorite professional sports, as well as your college teams. And then on top of that, they also sell concert tickets and even comedy show tickets. So maybe you're in LA, you wanna go see the Lakers and Clippers play. GameTime's got you covered. Maybe you're in Atlanta, you wanna go see a Kevin Hart show. GameTime has you covered. Or you're in Chicago, wanna see Chance the Rapper put on a great performance. GameTime has you covered for that as well as everything else. Download the GameTime app today, create an account, and redeem code HOOPS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use that code HOOPS, that is H-O-O-P-S, for $20 off your first ticket purchase. Download GameTime today, last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And now, let's get to this week's episode of the podcast. Even see the thing falling all right what is good everybody welcome back to another episode of in the paint the all-star break is is almost over recording this wednesday february 22nd so Full slate of games tomorrow evening, but wanted to come on here and and do a quick hitter, cover a couple topics that have happened over the past you know week or so. Um, I've been on vacation, so didn't get to get to these when I wanted to, um, but we'll talk about the All Star Game, my thoughts on some of the commentary and narrative after, um, and about the All Star Game in general, the All Star Weekend, and then I'm gonna talk the Russell Westbrook to the Clippers, and just I, I may go way too long on that, but it, it's blowing my mind how somebody can cause this much um, divisiveness among NBA media fans, people who know the game really well, how they just keep getting sucked in and sucked into this this Russell Westbrook thing. Um, and we'll talk about that um, hopefully not too long, but we're, we're going get to in, get into that as well. Uh, but before we jump into anything, first off, if you are new to this podcast, we appreciate you stumbling up across the podcast, um, however you did that. Um, please like, rate, review, subscribe, and download to the podcast so that you don't miss any future episodes, any notifications about future episodes. Um, definitely, definitely subscribe. Uh, if you are a continued listener, we appreciate the love and support and salute you for riding with us. Um, it's been it's been a long, a long road, um, rocky at times, but we appreciate the love and the support. Um, we salute you. Um, yeah, like I said, we're gonna, it should be a quick hitter, um, nothing too crazy today, hopefully keeping this one short, but we're gonna dive right in to All-Star Weekend. So, it's funny, All-Star Weekend falls every year, um, on my wife's birthday, um, and normally we are, like, doing some sort of party, or, you know, we're local, and there's a, there's a bar we're at, or there's somewhere where there's a bunch of TVs, and I'm, like, you know, sneaking, sneaking looks over to the TV every now and then, um, and, and paying attention to, usually it's a Saturday, so it's usually the all, the, um, three-point competition, the skills challenge, and the dunk contest, 
Well, this year I was on a cruise for my wife's birthday. Um, she turned 30, so it was a little bigger, a little bit of a bigger deal. So we were we were traveling, and on a cruise, especially, you know, if you don't pay for the Wi-Fi, which we didn't, we kind of wanted to disconnect at times. Um, I had no concept really of what was going on. Now, there were moments where I had Wi-Fi, so I would like get the notifications, but I couldn't watch anything. I couldn't stream anything. I could get notifications, couldn't really see what they were, couldn't follow anything. So I had no concept of time really, and I had no idea what was going on, and, and I was getting the notifications, but didn't know the context of the notifications for the All-Star game. So I want to preface it with, I didn't see anything live. I did a lot of watching after. Um, I also will preface it with, my posture on all-star stuff for the NBA is probably way more positive and I'm way more of a fan of it than others. So I want to make that very clear that when I talk about how I feel about the all-star game and I want to let you know that I am somewhat biased because I come from a posture of I really enjoy and I'm more of a I'm more on the I enjoy the all-star game for honestly a lot of sports because I think I have a I think sometimes we have an irrational view of what the all-star game is supposed to be. Um, and we use old history to try and, you know, buffer why it's it's changed and all that. And we're going to get into that in, in my soliloquy about the All-Star Game in a second. But I just want to start off with context. I watched it all back later, so I got condensed versions of it. But I got what I feel like is the, the overall theme. And I am a big fan of the All-Star Game in, in the NBA. I am more of a fan and think it's more enjoyable than most. So let's start kind of with the... The dunk contest, um, and we'll we'll touch on this in a couple ways. First, how I felt about it, and two, how I felt about comments after the the dunk contest. So, and it all kind of lumps together with the All Star Game, but we'll get more into that in a second. So, dunk contest. Um, obviously, Mac McClung deserved to win that dunk contest. What he put together, that like kind of portfolio of dunks that he put together, was awesome. So, it's a little bit of revisionist history now because he is now on a contract on a two-way contract with the Sixers but Jason Timpf um who hosts a podcast on Colin Colin Coward's network the volume had talked about he doesn't think that non-NBA players should be able to participate in the dunk contest and at the time he was a G League player when he was asked to participate he was a G League player and then right before around the trade deadline ish he was put on a two-way contract so he is now an NBA player I agree with the sentiment of not allowing non-NBA players into the dunk contest because then you can start to leak into actual professional dunkers who, and as Jason Tim brings up, it's, it's a very good point. He says, obviously, they're very, very good at that one skill. Like, they are they are absolutely professionals at dunking the basketball because of their crazy athleticism and their creativity. But the marvel of the All-Star Weekend is that not only are these guys incredible dunkers, but they're also incredible NBA basketball players. These professional dunkers wouldn't stand a chance in an NBA basketball game because they would not be able to do the thing that they do all the time, which is dunk. They'd be forced to do other things. And they're not NBA players. They're professional dunkers. They're athletes. That is not to say that NBA players are not athletes. They are obviously athletes, but they are also NBA basketball players skilled in so many other areas. And so you're kind of taking away the allure of the NBA athlete, which is not only are they incredible at this game of basketball in so many different areas, they also are really, really specialized as well in being able to shoot a three-pointer or 
dunk a basketball, among all the other things they're really good at in basketball as well. So all that to say, I agreed with him on the stance with Mac McClung. However, it's kind of a moot point now because he is now in the NBA. So if you want to say, well, he shouldn't have been able to be in there to begin with, that's fine. We would have had a different dunk contest, obviously. Um, But the one guy that dropped out that we needed to see was Shaden Sharp. Throughout the year, watching him dunk in-game and finding out he was going to be in the in the dunk contest, I was so excited because I thought we were getting back to baby steps getting back to in-game dunkers, in-NBA game dunkers, like actual really good in-game dunkers in the dunk contest. Now, Mac McClung fits that mold even as a G-leaguer. He, he will be and is a great in-game NBA dunker. Um, Jericho Sims is just a big man that can jump. He doesn't have any like spectacular creativity. You saw it. All his dunks consisted of basically the same thing, two of which were the exact same with just an index card or just a folded piece of paper with a number on it. So you saw the difference in like Mac McClung's creativity and, and bounce versus Jericho Sims. Um, you know, uh, Trey Murphy had some bounce, but again, lacked some of the creativity, did some of the same dunks, same similar dunks over and over. But Shaden Sharp would have won that thing walking away if he's in that dunk contest. Now, it would be, I still think it'd be entertaining between Sharp and McClung, but Sharp would win that dunk contest, like I said, walking away. And I think we were robbed of that. And listen, I, and this will move into, I'm not going to, I'm going to broach it a little bit, but his comment as to why he didn't do it was, I want to focus on the second half of the season for the Blazers. Well, just to give you all a little context, the Blazers are right now in the 12 seed. Granted, there are only a game and a half back of the seven seed and two or three games back of the five or six. So I'm not blaming him for thinking that they have a chance to push for the for the play-in or for a playoff spot. But it's not like they're pushing for the one seed. They're pushing for the play-in. And this is a symptom of a bigger problem that we're going to get into in a couple minutes. But I didn't like the reasoning. I understood the reasoning. I get what he's doing based on the context we're going to get to in a little bit, but I don't have to like it based on where they are in the standings. And him doing the dunk contest wasn't going to really hurt the playoff push for the Blazers. So respect his decision, but I don't have to like it, but I can respect it. Okay, so that was the dunk contest. Three-point contest, whatever it is what it is. It's That one's I don't have any gripe with. It's fun. It doesn't – you can get – there's so many good shooters in the NBA right now they're going to blow the doors off that event. That one's always going to be a good one. Um, Let's get to the game. Um, I still think the game is entertaining. I still think the game has value. You have to, you have to take the game inside of the game. If you want a playoff-style atmosphere of an all-star game and you're expecting playoff-style defense, miss me with the 90s bullshit. They still didn't play the same type of defense that they play in regular season and playoff games in the all-star game. Yes, it was better defense and more defense than it is now, but it was no comparison to the defense of the 90s in the playoffs and especially no comparison to the defense in the now era of basketball in the playoffs in the regular season. So miss me with that. That I will refuse to to get on board with. What I will get on board with is this year in particular seemed a little worse. Last year and two years ago, I actually think that the NBA quality of the All Star, the quality of the NBA All Star game was actually very good. I think there were 
quarters and stretches of, of, of quarters where they played really good basketball and, and they actually played hard and played defense. And um, it was actually more similar to regular season style basketball than it was this year. I will un- I will agree with the people that are saying that this year's game was bad. I think it still had... Now, the people that say it wasn't entertaining, it was the worst basketball game ever, I just completely disagree with. I've watched regular season basketball games that are worse than what I watched in the All-Star game because I see teams in regular season games get beat by 40 that are doing some of the similar same stuff that was shown in the All-Star game. So I will refuse to say it's the worst basketball game ever played. It's it, Regardless of how you feel about what happened in the game, I, I just refuse... Because I like to take the stance of this is an entertainment game. This is not a game that um, you you worry about the diehard fan who saved up for a year to go to this game. This is all commercialized for for a fanfare of people who have the money to go spend on an all-star game. This is not the same. So it's a different type of entertainment. It is an entertainment just to kind of put on somewhat of a different type of show. It is entertainment in the fact of... This is a different type of game, but it was entertaining at moments. The one-on-one that Jalen uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were doing, that was interesting. Tatum having 50-plus points, interesting. Granted, he just kept shooting. Missoula playing him 36-plus minutes in an all-star game, entertaining. Um, you know, some of the, the alley-oops and things like that, entertaining. Some of the young guys that get to play that are up-and-coming stars, SGA, some of these dudes, entertaining. Um, so... I refuse to say it's the worst basketball game I've ever seen or worst basketball game ever played. Refuse to do that because it's just not, I just don't believe that. Um, so everybody then – oh, and I want to go back to the dunk contest. Sorry, I, I, I forgot something and it slipped my mind. Stephen A. Smith said that LeBron James is directly responsible for the NBA dunk contest sucking. That's so ridiculous to me. I, so ridiculous to me. Listen, LeBron James is a great dunker. Are we're gonna act like he's one of the best in in-game dunkers in the league at at his peak? He pretty much did the same dunk over and over open court. Now I'm not saying it wasn't impressive, but there was so many other better dunkers when LeBron was at his peak when he could have quote saved the dunk contest than he was than he had. I mean, I don't know. I just. I think we're putting a lot of blame on LeBron, and, and maybe it's because he was the face of the league, and Michael was the face of the league when he was in the dunk contest, and 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 you know whatever. There were other faces of the league that never did the dunk contest, and we're not giving them any shit. We're just gonna pick on LeBron now because the dunk contest is so bad, and LeBron has to be the savior for everything in the NBA. So we're just gonna put it all on his shoulders. That was ridiculous to me, um, and I thought it was just funny that we're putting it on the shoulders of a guy who probably who probably wouldn't have even won the dunk contest if he was in it. Like, isn't that great? Isn't that spectacular and and creative of an in-game dunker that he would be that much of a savior for it? So that's my point on that. Uh, I I just completely disagree and reject that theory by by Stephen A. So back to the All-Star game in, in general. And here we go. Mike Malone after the game. Worst basketball game ever. Jalen Brown. That's not real basketball. Um, several other comments from, from media members. We have to fix this. How do we fix this? This is awful. Like, (laughs) and it's so funny. 
because it's the same entity of people that are saying we have to fix it, but they're the same entity of people are the ones that have caused the problem that we have today. So hear me out for a second. And I will say that I fall victim to this sometimes too, but I try to, I try to not, and I try to take again the, the posture and the stance um, that is the opposite of this, and you'll, you'll, you'll understand that, and you'll agree with it based on my LeBron take. So all the people out there that are clowning and, and shitting and, and dissing on the All-Star game and saying it's horrible basketball, it needs to be changed, and there needs to be a fix and, and all this stuff, <laughs> you're, you're shouting and you're mad, but you're mad at the wrong party and you're mad for the wrong reasons. And you're mad without understanding why you're mad. Like, I think that happens a lot now, maybe because of social media. Maybe it's because of, um, I don't know what, to be honest, I don't know what it's because of. Um, but what I'm, what I'm noticing is that more and more people nowadays just want to be mad, but they don't want to figure out why they're mad and they don't want to work on, they don't want to work on a solution to, to fixing why they're mad. Um, but the first part of that is diagnosing why you're mad. You're yelling about the all-star game and you're mad about it, but did you take a second as to maybe why you're mad or what is causing you to be mad about the all-star game? Because I think if you did that and you actually like did some introspective thinking and you actually did some like crowdsourcing and, and thinking about why you're mad, you'd figure out pretty quickly as to what's making you mad about the All-Star game. So, All-Star game. Let's talk about it. What, what are the biggest, what are the fixes people are talking about? Make it more competitive. Okay. I don't know if it's, I don't know if you're ever going to get to the, the level of competition that you want for this. Um, so that's the first part. So, so the competitive nature, love y'all, but don't think we're ever going to get to a point that we're going to be able to appease everybody in the competition realm. Um, it's an all-star game. It is not meant to be the competition level of hell regular season or playoffs for that matter. So the competition thing we can have elements of competitiveness in the game. I think there's ways that you can make the rules a way for for them to be more competitive. I think the Elam ending thing was fun. I think it still is the I think it still is the way to do it, but I think that it was it was really cool to start out because everybody was like, "Oh, it's this brand new thing, so let's make it fun." And it like everything, the shiny new thing ends up losing its luster and it's just kind of another thing. So they've tried. They've tried to tweak some rules. They've tried to give some financial incentives. They've tried to do as many things as, as they can to make it as competitive as they can. There's going to come a point, though, where there's a ceiling. And the ceiling may have already been been hit. We've, we may have already gotten there. Um, so asking it to become more competitive is just probably never going to happen. And, and, then they, and then the other thing is, well, make the players care more. And this is where I'm going to go on a rant. Make the players care more. I wish the players cared like they did back in the day. Man, back in the 90s, the players cared. Okay. Hold on, let me gather myself because it kind of makes my blood boil. Make the players care. And it's all the same people. The same people that are asking for the players to care 
are the same people that are causing them not to care. It's circular logic. It's cyclical problems. And here we go. You want the players to care? Do you want the players to actually care? You want to know how you make them care? Why don't you care about them? Care about their body of work. Care about what they put together. Care about their entire journey, the resume, and not just the rings. The, I, I posted this on Twitter. First off, shameless plug. Follow me on Twitter at, at Matt underscore Tweed 22. And I posted this. I took a video. Um, I took a video of, or I, I commented on a video that I think it was either NBA Central or NBA TV has posted. And it was a conversation. I think it was Chuck or the NBA TV crew or sorry, the NBA on TNT crew was chatting with Draymond, like warming up or just on the court. And he said, quote, Draymond said this, the only person on the court right now that has the resume that I do is LeBron James. And I think they said, why or what about it? And he said, rings. And I tweeted that clip right there, which was like 15, 20 seconds. Those 20 seconds is the perfect microcosm, the perfect microcosm as to where we are and why nobody cares. Because if Draymond Green is the one saying that the only person that has the resume to his, not not the other way around, if I think I'd be less mad if his comment was, the only person that has the resume that stacks up to LeBron right now is me. I'd still say it's wrong, but I'd be less mad. The reason I'm mad is because Draymond is now a victim of what the media and NBA fan and folklore has put together, which is the only thing that matters is rings. LeBron James, two weeks ago, broke the NBA all-time scoring record. He is the all-time leading NBA scorer in history. And 12 hours later, we were talking about uh, rings. And, well, is this record going to be overshadowed by the fact that he only has four rings, maybe? Or that they don't make the playoffs, the Lakers don't, and that they're fighting for the play-in? 12 hours. It took us 12 hours. Not to mention, by the way, just so happened that ESPN decided to loop coverage of Michael Jordan. I know it was Michael Jordan Day, 2 3, 23. Fine. I get the timing was, you know, whatever was what it was. But not even 12 hours. After he breaks the all-time single, single not single season, career scoring record, we're talking about if it's going to be shadowed, overshadowed because of the Lakers not making the playoffs. Which is, again, another microcosm of where we are in the NBA legacy conversation. It is maddening that all we care about is championships. I have said forever the last at least five seven years 
that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time, not because of championships, but because he does everything on the basketball court at the same or at a higher level than anybody has ever done it before. And that, to me, screams greatest basketball player ever. I understand that he doesn't have the rings that LeBron or uh, that Jordan, Kareem, hell, Bill Russell. He doesn't have those. Hell, Robert Ory. If we're going to do the rings conversation, Robert Ory, I think, has six, five or six. So if we're going to do that, if we're going to do the rings conversation, then we have to do the rings conversation. But we don't. We do the rings plus six and oh, plus nothing before Scottie Pippen ever matters for, for Jordan. For And listen, I think Jordan is, it, it, listen, he's one, it's 1A, one 1B. One I think it doesn't really matter to me. You can argue that eras are different. I'm sorry, not argue. Eras are obviously different, so you can argue that you can't pick greatest of all time because the eras are so different, and I would be on that train with you. I think if you want to go era by era, LeBron James has been the greatest the last, obviously, 20 years. And then before that, it was probably, you know, Jordan-ish Duncan. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's ways to go through eras, and then it was Magic, and then it was, you know, Kareem before that, and then it was probably Russell. Like, we've got eras. So if you want to go that conversation, I'm glad to have it with you, and I think that's probably an easier conversation. But the body of work has to matter. And so do you want the All-Star game and the regular season and back-to-backs and four, three and four nights or three and five nights to matter again? Start caring about everything else other than rings. Stop making this a trophy conversation and make it an actual portfolio conversation of basketball players. Take into account everything that these basketball players do. Steph Curry is the all-time three-point leader, and I feel like that just got talked about when he won the award. And that's another, that's an even deeper problem that NBA awards don't seem to really matter anymore, which I talked about in a couple podcasts ago when LeBron broke the record. But like it moved to, oh, well now he's the greatest three-point shooter of all time. He is the greatest three-point shooter of all time. So is it a shame that he only has four rings? Like (laughs) it is insane that guys break records and we just go, well, should they have won more rings? It's like, I don't give a fuck. I, I couldn't care less about how many rings a player has if they're the greatest of all time at something else. Like, the, the MVP conversation right now makes me, makes me laugh. Now, I don't think that you have to win rings to be the MVP. I do think you have to at least have contended for rings or be close to winning rings to be winning your third MVP and maybe third in a row. That's it's it's not a shot at Jokic, it's the reality. He he falls apart in the playoffs at times and he gets exposed defensively when in the regular season you can't really do that as much. And so I think there's a lot of things at play here. And so it it filters and it infiltrates a lot of different things. But do you want players to care about the regular season and care about the All-Star game and care about the quality of games night in and night out? You want to know how you do that? You recognize them for other things other than just rings. And don't say that all that matters is rings. And then don't infiltrate the mind of NBA players to then go on national TV and say that the only reason that so-and-so's resume lives up to mine is because of rings. When in reality... Draymond is nowhere near the resume of LeBron James. Nowhere near. 
at his peak, LeBron does everything that Draymond does at an infinitely higher level. Defensively at LeBron's peak, better defender than Draymond. Passer, better than Draymond. Rebounder, better than Draymond. Communicator, I don't know, maybe better than Draymond, but overall IQ, better than Draymond. Playmaker, scorer, shooter, passer. Like literally every part of LeBron James's game, better. Resume, the only thing that you can say is the same as rings. Everything else is LeBron. So don't say the only resume that stacks up to, to Draymond's is LeBron because of rings. It's not even a competition. Draymond has a worse resume than most people on that floor because of what he doesn't do on the stat sheet. If we're talking resume, now if you want to go eye test, Draymond has a massive advantage over a lot of those guys because he does have a massive impact eye test. But resume? On paper? You ain't got nothing on a lot of those guys. A lot of those guys have no rings and have a better resume than you. But that is the microcosm of where we are. Is we've reduced everything to rings. And so of course guys are going to take nights off. Of course guys are going to sit out of all-star games and not participate in some of these things. Because they're told by their coaches. They're told by the media. They're told by their trainers. They're told by the other friends on the team. By the locker room. By us on Twitter. That, now, ah, well, you haven't won shit. You haven't won a ring, so don't talk. And then we get mad when they turn around and do everything in the interest of themselves to get to that ring. We can't be mad at that when that's all we talk about and care about. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't say, go win a ring, and then when, and this is where I'm going to go back to Shaden Sharp, you can't say all that matters is rings, and then when Shaden Sharp says he doesn't want to do the dunk contest because he wants to prepare for a second half run for the Trailblazers to make a playoff push, be mad at him for doing that. Because you told him to do that. You told him to only care about rings and to only care about the playoffs and win the championship. And you can say, Matt, yeah, well, the, the Blazers don't have a realistic chance of winning the title. Sure, but the only way to have a chance to win the title is to make the playoffs. So Shaden Sharp is going to do what he has to do to get to the playoffs and hope to be healthy for that. And I can be mad and think that it's ridiculous that he thinks the, the, the dunk contest is going to hinder that. But I understand where he's coming from because everything he hears in his brain and around the league and on social media and on TV shows is if you don't win a title, your resume doesn't stack up. Because all we care about is rings. Do you want them to care more? Care more about something other than a fucking ring. Care more about the the 35 and 10 that a guy puts up on a wet random Wednesday with in Utah that Lori Markinen puts up when he could be, they could be tanking and he could be just saying, fuck this care about that stuff and celebrate that stuff. Celebrate the journey, celebrate the, the long resumes and body of work that these guys have put countless hours of sweat and blood and tears into instead of reducing these entire careers down to rings. Because rings are an absolute collective effort. Michael Jordan didn't win shit until he got Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. LeBron James didn't win anything on his own. He was the closest to winning stuff on his own, by the way. But he didn't win anything until he had a great team. So reducing somebody's greatness to just rings is, is also really shitty on the team that he had around him because 
the rings are an absolute group collective effort. It's a team effort. And rings should not be the only thing that is cared about in these in these NBA teams, in these seasons, in these legacy conversations. You want them to care more? Care more about everything else. I'm not saying it's going to fix it, but it's definitely a start. Okay, last thing before we get out of here. Russell Westbrook to the Clippers. I told you this might go long. I went way long on the first part, so I'll keep this, I'll keep this hopefully as short as possible. So Russell Westbrook gets bought out by Utah. He's going to go to the Clippers. I believe he's signed there. And now the narrative is, oh, the Clippers are deadly. I saw a report that he's probably going to start by the end of the year. And I just laugh. Because we've seen this all before. Houston, terrible. Washington doesn't really count. They were trying to lose. He was actually good there because they were trying to lose. And it was the rush show. L.A., terrible. Like, (laughs) I have to laugh because if I don't, like like I said, if I don't laugh, I'll go insane. It is mind-blowing to me the the amount of people that know this game so well that continue to get this wrong. Russell, Russell Westbrook cannot be a part of a championship-winning team and be an integral part of the starting lineup. He cannot be... If Russell Westbrook is the... If when you make the comment, if Russell Westbrook is moving the needle for you to win the title, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Um, and, and so it just blows my mind that so many people get this wrong. Sure, does he make them more of a storyline? Of course. Does he give them a quote-unquote big three marketing-wise? Of course. But if if he's the guy that's on the court at the end of games, Clippers fans are going to be just as mad as every other fan base has been when they watch him. He's not as good of a ball handler as we've as we think he is. He he like has like the the hands of like a big man like he doesn't have good hands for a guard he can't defend he can't shoot the three he's a he's a terrible um finisher around the rim now he doesn't finish well because of his hands and his touch it is it is beyond me that that fan bases continue and media members and nba circles continue to just get duped by this guy now, you can say, oh, well, the, the Clippers got him for nothing. And that's great. Good for them. But he's going to ruin the team. I mean, he's not going to do well for them. It's, it is just, <laughs> it just blows my freaking mind. Every single time. Every single time I see I see these these numbers. He's shooting 29% from three this year, 41 from the field. It's it's insane. And listen, he should be he should be applauded and respected for how he handled coming off of the bench. I think Russell Westbrook's overall resume like early on in his career was actually underrated. I think he got a lot of flack for being the triple-double guy and like and and searching out triple-doubles 
and all this stuff. I think Russ, because of when he was younger and because of what he brought to a team, he was way more efficient. I mean, for his career, he's never been wildly efficient. You know, like, but his career, he's a 22, 7, and 8 guy. That should definitely be allotted, or applauded. Um, but, I mean, last two years, he's averaged 29% from three, but almost touching 30. Never been over 50% shooting, but he's never really been over 50% at all. He's always been like, he's always been not that good of a finisher at the rim, but he dunks. So everybody thinks he's great, but he's never been really that good. It just, it just blows my mind that everybody gets duped by this guy again. That he continues to just fake people and trick people into thinking that he's, that he matters for these NBA teams. And it just makes me laugh. Like he's going to go to the Clippers. He's going to end up starting at the end of games. He's going to play probably 28, 30 minutes a night, maybe 30, 33, 34 minutes a night, and Clippers fans are going to hate it, and they're going to understand the pain that a lot of these teams have had that when he comes on your basketball team, he, he's not good. And all the numbers bear it out, and yet ev- these teams get duped by the name and by the possibility. I saw a meme that was like, has he been horrible for every other team? Yep. But can we fix him? Sure. Like, every team thinks that they can be the team that fixes them. Like, everybody's like, oh, Ty Lue's a really good coach. They can fix him. Well, everybody thought Darvin Ham was a really good coach. And they they got him to go to the bench. That was a start. But he's going to be in the starting lineup or at the end of games. And unless Ty Lue has the balls to tell him that he's sitting at the end of games, they're going to lose some games and they're going to be bad. It's going to backfire. I mean, this is a team that right now, we're going to go over a standings update here in a second. This is a team that right now is in the four seed and has a chance to move to the three. You don't want to see these numbers get bad and then start to drop because they're also only three games back of the 10 and two of the eight. So these numbers can go down pretty quick with Russell, and it's possible that that happens. But yeah, so... That's that. Let's give a quick standings update, and then we'll look at the gambling numbers for tomorrow night's slate. All right, in the East, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Cleveland. Those are your top four. Um, Cleveland is five games back. Philadelphia, three. Milwaukee's a half a game back. Um, As as I've stated so many times on this podcast, and as you know, I think Milwaukee is the best team in the league. I think they are going to win the title again, especially now with Middleton being healthy. So they've won 12 in a row. They won that game right before the All-Star break, so they're they're 12 in a row. Um, Obviously, the record, I think, is like 33, so they got a long way to go, but they're incredible. But that just shows you how good of a lead that Boston had that Milwaukee can win 12 in a row, and Boston still has a half-game lead. So I I do still think that Milwaukee is the best team in the NBA. When fully healthy, I think they'll win the title, but Boston has obviously performed incredibly well this year. Uh, Philadelphia coming on strong here, four in a row, seven and three in the last 10. They've been playing really good basketball. They have, um, they have all that great stuff with going on with with Harden right now. This looks like what 
the the most healthy and and efficient Harden has looked in a while, and Joel Embiid is playing at an MVP level and just playing incredible. So they are a force to be reckoned with, but obviously, as we know, James Harden and Doc Rivers in the playoffs is not a great combination. Uh, Cleveland, the four seed, I I told you this is where they need to be. Brooklyn at the five, but they'll be falling. They're just not very good. New York at the six probably can climb a little bit. Miami probably can climb a little bit. Atlanta just fired their coach. Um, and, and is looking for for a new kind of end of year stuff. Um, Washington and Toronto. Um, that's the top ten. Denver, number one in the West. Memphis, Sacramento, who's been a fun story. L.A. the Clippers at four. Um, Phoenix at five, who is just now a force to be reckoned with with KD. Dallas at six with Kyrie. Pelicans at seven. Timberwolves eight. Golden State 9, Oklahoma City 10, Utah a half game back at 11, Portland also a half game back at tied for 11 or right around there at 12, Lakers at 13. Um so that's interesting. Uh you know, Denver has been the best team all year in the West, it, there's no question about it, but I think right now the Suns are just they're going to just be a, a a fucking freight train. Don't be shocked if this team's end up in like the 3 or the 2. Booker looked great on his return the other night. Chris Paul had 19 assists. He may not have to shoot another ball until the fourth quarter. Um, I don't know. It They're just going to be a problem. Like, fun story, Sacramento, but I could see you down at like the five or the six by the end of the year. Still a great story, though. But like, Phoenix adding Kevin Durant, I don't care what they gave away. You have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. And I guess, you know, throw whoever the hell you want else want in there. It's an incredible core. So they're going to be a problem. Um, and then the, the story is, the, do the Lakers make the play-in? I, they got to. <laughs> like, I think they have to. Um, I, don't, I just think for anything other than LeBron is going to will this team to the play-in, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, but that's a standings update. And now let's quickly move into um, betting on some of these games on Thursday and look at some of these lines of the national TV games as well as maybe a, a, a parlay we can put together. So we got a ton of games tomorrow night. Like I said, recording this Wednesday, these games will take place tomorrow night on Thursday. Hopefully when you hear this, you'll still have enough time to be able to get some of these bets in. Um, And maybe the numbers will change, but we're going to talk about where they are right now. Um, So let's look at some of these national televised games. I believe we'll probably have only a couple. Um, I think Thursday night might be TNT. Well, not not might. It is TNT, so we'll only have two. Um, So we've got Grizzlies 76ers at 7.30, so let's focus on that one right now. Right now, Philadelphia minus four, Memphis plus four. There's no NBA games today, obviously, so the, the... let me, I'm looking at the lineup here. Um, I can't use daily lineups right now on RotoWire because you have to be subscribed. I'm not subscribed to that. Um, so you can't see tomorrow's lineups. But I'm going to assume that most people are going to play. And because it's at home, because they're going to be at full strength, the, the 76ers are favored by four. I really like that number. I think what the Sixers do um, – and how their team is constructed is just a bad matchup for Memphis. So I would probably take Memphis or um, um, Philadelphia minus four at home. I just really like that number. Um, Philadelphia at home is twenty three and eight, and Memphis on the road is eleven and seventeen. I just you know I I think that the numbers really do kind of lean all towards um, would all kind of lean towards uh, Philadelphia in that sense. So I would take Philadelphia minus four in that one. 
In the second national televised game, that is going to be Warriors-Lakers right after, obviously, the All-Star break there. Um, Lakers are favored by four and a half. That would obviously be because of the moves they made and no Steph Curry, it seems like, for a little bit. Um, listen, the Warriors, according to BPI and ESPN, are favored by almost 60, 68.1% to win this game in the matchup predictor. I think that's a bit much. Um, I think you can I think you can definitely put some things together um, Warriors-wise. You can put some same-game parlays together that are probably better than just betting the, the number on this one. That's um, on ESPN's numbers, four and a half. According to FanDuel, it's also four and a half. Um, I do think the Lakers win this game, so maybe you just want to throw them that money line into a parlay. Four and a half is a lot for this Laker team. Um, but I think they also have a matchup advantage in some spots against the Warriors without Steph Curry. Now, if Steph is playing this game, the Warriors, while they are so bad on the road, and that's another reason this number is what it is, um, maybe it's a little closer to like one and a half for a pick em, but... I'm going to take the Lakers minus four and a half. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to take it because the Warriors are so bad on the road, and I think this is a decent matchup for the Lakers. However, if you just want to wait and maybe take a money line and some parlays, it might be better. I'm going to lay the four and a half and and you know bite my, bite my nails about it. But um, So we're going to go Lakers minus four and a half, and then Philadelphia 76ers minus four in the best bets for the televised games, the nationally televised games. As it comes to a tweed trifecta parlay, um, we're going to go Celtics money line. We're going to go Mavs money line. We'll go Lakers money line. And then we'll go, um, we'll go Kings money line. So that four right there, if we go Lakers, Kings, Mavs, Celtics, that gets you to plus 211. So basically two to one, a hundred wins about 200 there. Um, that is your. Tweet trifecta, your four-team parlay there, and then your best bets are Philadelphia minus four and LA minus four and a half against the Warriors. All right, that's going to do it for another episode of In the Paint. Again, I told you I didn't want to go too long. It'd be a quick hitter, and it wasn't because I, I got in my feels. Um, so I appreciate you listening. Um, appreciate the time. Again, if you're new, please like, rate, review, subscribe, and download to the podcast. If you're a continued listener, we appreciate the love and the support. We salute you. Thank you so much. We'll be back um, hopefully in the next few days. Um, with some more just kind of covering a lot of the post-All-Star break games that are happening. Um, and then hopefully at some point, I keep teasing it, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Um, hopefully at some point we will get to um, the episode with my wife guessing the NBA logos for our first video episode. Um, life is crazy. Um, and so that that keeps getting pushed to the, to the back burner. But we'll get there. Um, appreciate you all. And uh, we'll catch you next time. All right, fam. Peace.